We started a series a few weeks ago called Jesus, where we talk about, you know, who the scripture says that he is and who he says that he is. And so we're going to look at that today. And, you know, the first week we talked about the fact that we talked about he's our savior. That, and because of that, that's, that's just a reflection of the fact that, that I'm a sinner. I need a savior in my life. And that there is no other way but him. He is the only way. And then we talked the next week about the fact that he's our shepherd, that we know his voice. He's a good shepherd. He provides for us. He cares for us. He leads us. And so we talked about that. And last week we talked about he's our advocate, that he's the one that he pleads our case, that anytime the accuser, that's who the devil is, he's the accuser, accuses you or accuses me, that Jesus steps up and he intervenes on our behalf and pleads our case and reminds, you know, that just you know, stands in front of the enemy and lets him know, hey, they're forgiven. Our case is taken care of and that type of thing. Well, today we're going to talk about lordship. And so if you would, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, know this, that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Romans is in the New Testament. New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. It's the sixth book of the Bible. Sixth book of the Bible. While you're turning there, um, I first want to say hi to everybody that's online. Thanks for engaging with us. Um, to, just to remind you that kind of our, our, our keynote passages in Matthew where Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And so it was interesting when they began to talk about who people said that he is, that it wasn't like all of the things they said about him were bad, those that didn't believe in him. Some said, well, he's John the Baptist. Some said, well, he's Elijah. Some said he's a prophet. So, so they knew that there was something about him, but even the things they said about him weren't accurate, even though they may have thought favorable of him or highly of him. And the truth of the matter is, is that, that we live in a culture that's similar, that even though many people that aren't believers will say, I don't like Christians or I don't like the church, many of them still like Jesus. But part of the challenge is, is that who they think Jesus is. Some things they get right and some things they don't get right. And the things they don't get right, the problem with that is a lot of times it shapes how they live their life in regards to that. And so it's important that we understand who he is because that shapes us. And so in Romans chapter 10, verse 6, it says this, but faith way of, but faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare, everybody say declare. declare. That Jesus is Lord, say Jesus is Lord. Jesus. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So he's talking about entering into a relationship with him, and part of it is the declaration of Jesus' lordship over our life and the belief that he was raised from the dead. That is a non-negotiable in Christianity. Well, I believe he was a good man. He was crucified. I really, you know, I don't, is it really that important that I believe that he's raised from the dead? Absolutely. It's a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker. Because if he wasn't raised from the dead, then he's not who he said he was. That was part of the affirmation that he is the son of God and that his sacrifice is enough as he was raised from the dead. And so with that, you know, that declaration of that, and it goes on to say this, it says, for it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. 
So as we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we don't know everything. And even after you walk with him for years, you still don't know everything. But there is this thing that should take place in us that's not based upon how, about all the things that we know that are right and wrong in our life and that type of thing. But there is this thing that takes place in our life, not based upon that, but it's based upon the recognition of who Jesus is and how I enter into a relationship with him. And that begins with surrender. It's saying, not just verbally saying, but in, but in reality, making Jesus the Lord of my life. Declaring his lordship over my life. And, and so, as I look at I wrote a few things down here, that there's something that takes place here. When, when we declare, when I declare, when you declare that Jesus is Lord of my life, that something takes place there. Up to this point... I was in charge. Up to that point, you were in charge of your life, doing what you want, doing what I want. But when I make Jesus, when I declare his lordship over my life, and there's a surrender that takes place, that I enter a new kingdom with a new king. I'm no longer king of my life. I'm no longer lord of my life. I'm no longer the one that says, this is what I believe is right, and this is what I'm going to do, and I'm okay with this, and who are you, and all that kind of stuff. That the declaration of Jesus' lordship over my life means that I take the crown that's given me permission that I've used to rule my life, and I take it off of my head, and I surrender it to him because now he's Lord. You know, we talk about this all the time, and it's one of our... It's one of our convictions, one of our beliefs, you know, to help people understand this, that Jesus didn't come because humanity needed another religion. He came so that we could have a relationship. But I think we lose sight of this. When we think about relationship, we think about, well, you know, we're just, we're just kind of buddies, just kind of, you know, on the same level and that type of thing. But we lose sight of the fact that in so many of our relationships that, that our responsibilities and our roles are different. Now, my wife is up here on, on the front row, and I remember when I first met her, first saw her and met her, um, yeah, I was, you know, I was, it was back in the day when I had more hair to cut and it was a bit more of a challenge than it is now. It literally takes him four minutes in the barbershop to cut my hair. Four minutes. I'm not, it's not an exaggeration. I sit down and that's because they're trimming my eyebrows and my ears as well. So I, I don't know why this. I feel like if I could just take one of my ears off and put it on the top of my head, I could have as much hair as I want. But apparently I can't grow it here. I can grow it on my ears and in my nose, but I can't grow it up on my head. Anyway, that's, that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother time. But anyway, Somebody's like, we made a mistake coming here this morning. Anyway, so, um, so, so I remember that a friend of mine's wife was a stylist. And man, as a guy, I hate calling him a stylist. She cut hair. I, okay, so, so I went in and she cut hair and she cut my hair. And it, I saw this girl in the booth next to her. And I'm like, my, my first thought was like, man, she's pretty. And so, um, and so I, I introduced myself to her and talked to her for a minute. Finally got her name out of her put my best game on, and she was like not impressed at all. And so she, you know, so I'd go in there and I would try to, you know, hey, how's it going, you know, and that kind of thing. How about those cardinals? You know, I mean, it was just, so, you know, this would just go on. And eventually over time, we, you know, we, you know, she would start warming up. I was pretty relentless. And so um, in time, we began to date. And then after a period of time, I, I eventually proposed to her and then later on, we got married, and at that moment, our relationship changed. But before then, I knew who she was, 
and she knew who I was, but my obligations, responsibilities, and that type of thing, they weren't the role, that wasn't the role of a husband because we'd not entered into this covenant together that changed everything. It changed not just how I treated her, but how I should treat the opposite sex. It changed not just the decisions I made for my future, but who was involved in that conversation. That the entering in that relationship in marriage looked different than when I just knew who she was. Now, there's a lot of people that know who Jesus is, but there's something that should change in our world. When we enter into a real relationship with him, and that entering begins with surrender. My life's yours. Your Lord. I'm no longer king. I'm no longer Lord. I surrender those titles and that role to you, Jesus. Relationship with Jesus begins with surrender. Well, Pastor Rick, we don't know everything. You're right, we don't. We don't know everything. And it's not based upon me knowing everything. It's not based upon my life being perfect the minute that it happens. The one thing it is based on is an, is an acknowledgement of I'm no longer in charge. My life is his. That real surrender is how do you want me to do this? Am I doing what you want me to do? So many people, they're Lord of their own life. And for some people, it's not that they're Lord of their own life. Culture is Lord of their life. If culture says it's okay, well, I'm doing this because culture says it's okay. And they try to find verses that will validate, and they cherry pick verses that are like nowhere near affirming what they're talking about. But it's a lot easier than going back to what the scripture really says and saying, this is what his intention is for you and I. So this is going to be, this may be one of the most challenging, this is going to be the most challenging part of this series, not just for you, but for me. Because I've been challenged, I've prepared, I mean, I've had to look at areas of my life and just realize that, that, you know, that this relationship with him, it doesn't begin with perfection. It doesn't begin with having our act together. It starts with surrender. Your Lord. It was such a significant thing for them that a lot of people don't understand this, that for the Romans, that they viewed their Caesars many times as deity. So for a believer to say Jesus is Lord instead of Caesar is Lord was one of the things that put their life at risk and at stake. Because they were saying that I'm not going to yield to what culture or Caesar says. I'm yielding to what Jesus says. And if those things fly against each other, my mind is made up. And so the lordship of Jesus, this surrender, relationship with Jesus begins with surrender. Your, your decisions are different. They should be different than they used to be. Different than your friends. Different than your families are. Because your life ownership has changed. It's changed. That our walk should be different. Whenever Jesus we surrender to his lordship and his direction in our life. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. You're in Romans, and so the next book over is 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians was a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and these were people that were friends of his. He actually wrote this from a prison cell. So, you know, keep that in mind. So he wrote this, and he's sharing with him part of his life, part of his story. And so you know, with him that he was talking about who he was before he became a Christian, the things that mattered in his life. And, you know, for, for us, 
real, when we really surrender our life to lordship, then there's, things change for us. Things change for us. And so for him, his most important thing was religion. And I know some people would say, well, Pastor, I, I thought that's what Christianity is. No. Again, Jesus didn't come so we could have a religion. He came so we could have a relationship. Christianity is not, it's not in reality a religion. It is a surrender to Jesus in our relationship. We're not on equal footing. He's Lord. And I follow him, endeavor to follow him. Pastor Rick, are you perfect? Heavens no. Often I have to go to him and repent. You know what I'm repenting for? Because on that moment, in that time, I was Lord. And so I surrender to him. And I ask him to forgive me, and I get up, and I get up and I go with him. So Paul was talking about who he was before he met Jesus. Religion was his thing. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. Now, to us, it doesn't mean, these things don't mean a lot of things, but to a Jew, especially a, a Jew that's kind of like, you know, conservative or fundamental, these things, they speak volumes. It's like a billboard of what matters to, uh, you know, to uh, conservative Jews. And so he said, I was so zealous. I'm sorry, he said, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees. He was actually a Pharisee who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. In other words, before he became a Christian, because religion was the most important thing, that he was like, he went after the Christians and went after the church and had them arrested. He stood by and, con and was con he consented to them being stoned to death and all of those things. He said, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I once thought these things were valuable. Everybody say were valuable. But now I consider them worthless. Say worthless. Because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so I could gain Christ and become one with him. This used to be really, really, really important to me. My identity was centered around it. It was a thing that I made sacrifices over. It was a thing that determined my relationships and how I conducted my affairs. It used to be the most important thing in my life. And then I surrendered my life to Jesus. He became Lord. And no longer was that the most important thing to me. He became the most important thing to me. And as a result of that, yeah, man, go ahead and clap. As a result of that, it brought about real change in my decisions. It meant that I could no longer date the way that I'm used to dating. That I had to have my view of sex, not by what I was taught, not by what culture says, but from here on out, it was going to be shaped by what Jesus says and surrender to him looks like. And what a healthy relationship is, is not defined by what culture says or by what my even own desires say, but it's defined by what Jesus says and who he, what he says is healthy and godly and right. And so there's this challenge that comes with lordship. It's the part we seldom hear about Jesus in culture. It's the part that separates people. There was one time when Jesus in his ministry was sharing something. And what he shared was so challenging that it says this in John 6. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read this to you. It says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? 
Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. If there aren't those moments in our walk, in my walk, in your walk, if there aren't those moments where we're challenged, where, where, it's, where there's got to be a surrender, where I don't want to let go, that I have to let go of something, I have to lay something down or pick something up. If there aren't those moments of, of difficulty where I have to say bye to certain things in order to embrace other things, where I have to change the way that I think, where I have to deny myself. If there aren't those moments in our walk with him, then quite honestly, I don't think we're doing it right. He's Lord. I don't say this to condemn us. I don't say this to throw any stones because let me just tell you something. The things you deal with, I deal with. The things you struggle with, I struggle with. This is a reality in my life just like it is yours. But he's Lord of our lives. And, and real lordship challenged me to change what matters in my life. To be able to say, this used to matter most, but now he does. When it came to this, I used to make my decisions based upon this, but now I base it upon what he wants. And Paul was faced with that. Paul, you've given your life to all of these accomplishments in your religious circles. But Jesus said, in order to do what I want you to do, you're going to have to lay all of those things down that weren't just a part of who you were. Your identity was defined by them. Here comes Paul the Pharisee. And you're going to have to lay that down in order to follow me in the way that I've called you to. There were other people that were given that same opportunity to deny that Jesus had this guy in Mark chapter 10. It says that he was a young, rich ruler. He came up to Jesus and he said, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. And he began to list them off. And afterwards, the man said, I've done all these things since I was little. And the scripture doesn't give us insight as to how he meant that. He could have been like, well, I've done these things, so I'm good. Or it could have been, I've done these things and I still feel empty. We don't know what, what, the, what the motive was behind that statement. But he said, I've done all of these things. He said, and Jesus felt, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He said, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell you all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, some people have looked at it and thought that that was Jesus' command to everybody. You know why Jesus talked to him about his riches? Because that was his most important thing. He talked to Paul about his religion, because that was his most important thing. This guy, money, was his most important thing. You know, he'll, he'll deal with each one of us about whatever that is in our world or in our life. But this guy was, when Jesus threw that challenge down, it says this. He said, he said you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. In other words, the challenge that was put out there by Jesus to say, if you if I'm going to be Lord of your life, then I've got to matter more to you than this. And for, for that to be in your life that way, there's going to have to be a reckoning of turning loose. And so when we give our lives to Jesus, it begins with surrender, your Lord. Now, let me just say this. I've discovered in my own walk that this is an ongoing thing in my world. Not, not that I have to make him Lord of my life every day. But just that surrender in different areas of my life. Can I be real honest with you? There's some areas of my life that's been real easy to surrender to him. But there's been other areas that they're just, they are. They can become part of our identity or how we're used to doing things or sometimes a place we feel safe whenever we get under pressure. And I've used this as a demonstration before, you know, that years ago when we started the church, we did growth track in our house. 
And so uh, my wife Tina's up here, our oldest David is here, and daughter Ashley. They'll remember this, that on, we did it on Sunday evening, and on Friday, the tension in our home began to rise a little bit. Do you think that, is that a fair statement? They fearfully nod their heads. Yes, and so yes, it began to rise a little bit, and by the time Sunday got here, it was like, you know, DEFCON 5 as far as stress level. And as a man, I didn't necessarily get that. I'm like, people don't care. They don't care, you know, I mean... That seat looks pretty clean. They'll sit on it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm talking about the toilet seat. But anyway, so, um, and there were just things there that my wife was like, no, that's not okay. You got to clean this up. You got to do this. And I'm like, okay, you know, so we, we would do those things. And, and, uh, and a lot of times the house, you know, with all of us, it was all hands on deck. And we would clean the house up. And by the time we got it ready, it looked pretty good. And every now and then, something we'd missed would pop up as somebody's pulling in the driveway. We're like, Oh my gosh, how did we miss that? And so we might grab it and stick it under the bed or like, or like stick it in a closet. Or sometimes we would even shut a bedroom door hoping that somebody would have enough sense to realize that shut doors in a person's house means you're not supposed to go in there. Not everybody was raised that way. But anyway, that's what we would do. So we put it in there and that kind of thing. In other words, it wasn't clean. It wasn't taken care of. It was just hidden. And sometimes the Lord in my life, you know, like when I'm having those moments with him and I'm like trying to have this real moment of surrender, like, Jesus, you can have everything, anything in my life is yours except for this. This thing that's kind of hidden back there. And you know what he always does? It's funny you should mention that because that's what I want to talk about. That thing that you're hiding, that thing that you're trying to, you know, just, you know, it's distracting your life, distracting your walk. It's going to be the thing that determines in your life today who's Lord of your life. It's like the Lord's looking at me like, today you get to show if I'm really Lord of your life or are you going to be Lord today? The Lord is so good. It is his goodness that draws us. Tina and I have been talking lately just about how good the Lord's been to us. We think we thought about our life and just, you know, just... There couldn't be two more different and perfect people that God has brought together, and he's just continued to shape us. And we love each other, and our lives are just committed. But, but man, you know, sometimes, you know, some people learn the easy way, and sometimes we learn, you know, the difficult way. And so, I mean, but in all of that, we just see his goodness and his patience with us. But, but that doesn't mean that he's indifferent and I think we fill in the blank and think about his goodness. And it, there's no denying his goodness. It's beyond description. But that doesn't make him indifferent. He still calls me and challenges me to what it is that he wants me to do. And that impacts so many years. You know, sometimes you know what that is? He challenges me in how I deal with my wife. He cares how I treat her. And sometimes... In any relationship, is being good. It's easy to be good to a person. Other times, when you're frustrated or disappointed, it's real easy to feel validated and not doing that. Do you know when he speaks to me the loudest? In those moments, when it's the hardest. His expectation doesn't change just because it's difficult, just because it's challenging, just because people won't understand, just because you know it's not something that I'm comfortable with or want to do. That he still calls me to surrender, to yield to him. We just, we just have done an injustice. We, you know, just in not recognizing this, that this walk is everything's on the table. 
I may not always get my way. And the death that I die to follow him may be more than just a one-time incident. It could be an ongoing thing in my life. Saying that even though my attention and my affections draw me towards this, it takes me in an opposite direction where Jesus would have me go. So not just yesterday, but today and tomorrow if it's still there, I'm called to deny that in my life. calls us. And so real lordship challenges me to change what matters in my life. Jesus said in Luke 6, he said, why do you keep calling me Lord? And you don't do what I say. There's just that. And so I ask this, when's the last time that Jesus challenged you to give up something, to change something that your flesh didn't want to do? He said, the spirit is willing. You're like on the inside, like, yes, I know we need to do this. But your flesh is like, hold on. yet surrender is required to recognize lordship in our life. Let's look at this last one. Go to the book of Luke. Luke is a few books before Philippians. It's the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. As many of you know, Luke was a doctor. He wrote, he interviewed people and wrote this account of Jesus from eyewitnesses. And so one day Jesus was talking to a group of people in verse 21 It says this, he said, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. He said this, the son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. So, he's telling them, look, these things are going to happen to me. And you can imagine his leaders are like, leaning in like, no, no, really, that's going to happen to you? Oh, no. But he's not finished. After he shares what's going to happen to him, then he says this. Then he said to the crowd, oh, by the way, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up. Everybody say give up. Give up your own way. Your own way of doing things. The things that you want, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Of course, these things are going to happen to me. They're going to happen as a result of surrender. But there's some things that you're called to do. You're going to have to give up your own way of doing things and take up your cross daily. And back then when they were talking about a cross, it wasn't a piece of jewelry that they wore around their neck. It was a form of public execution that brought shivers into the hearts of most of them as they realized how horrific because it was a place that everything was lost. And they were called to do that in their walk with God, to give that up, to take up your cross in my life, it's an ongoing surrender. I'm, that, that it's one of those things that it began with this decision, but then on a regular basis, the Lord challenges me about my attitude, about my response. I was dealing with a situation the other day where somebody from my past had done something where they, where they, were in, they intentionally had said things that weren't true in order to hurt me. And it was one of those memories that were kind of brought up again. And I was frustrated and trying to deal with some anger of them, even though they're not a part of my world or anything like that. And just kind of dealing with that and just really frustrated. And, and the Lord deals with me and he's like, I'm not okay with this. He had me pray for them. God, let them get hit by a dump truck. I'm just really praying for them. No. No, not that kind of prayer. No. And please know that I was using that as an example to something that's extreme. I don't mean that. Use that as an example. That's what our flesh wants. Okay, you get that? 
But our prayer was, my prayer was more like, Lord, help them. Forgive me for any area that I've wounded or hurt them in. God, visit them in their sleep and their thoughts. Restore their heart, whatever's been hurt or wounded in them. Help them, Jesus. That's not the prayer my flesh wants to pray. That's what surrender calls me to. And so we're called to, to do this, to surrender and to take up our cross daily. This, this is no small calling. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a theologian in Nazi Germany, who, who stood against the Nazis as they, as they killed millions of Jews. And he became such a threat, the state viewed him as such a threat that eventually they executed him for his faith and for his stance. But he said this in one of his writings. He said, the call to Christianity is a call to come and die. And it really is one of those things that we, that we take up our cross. That place where everything is given. Where everything is surrendered. Where nothing is no longer ours. And to deny ourselves and follow him. To be able to have the same story that Paul had, like, this used to be a really big deal to me. I'd spend all my money and all my time on this. I would make compromises and sacrifice. I'd sacrifice time with my family for this and do this thing and that type of thing. But then I made Jesus Lord of my life. And I used to think that was so valuable. It's not nearly important to me anymore. This is what he's called me to. Lordship is surrender. And not just the easy kind of Surrender. It's the challenging kind, the difficult kind, the letting go of kind, the trusting kind, the surrendering kind. It's surrender. It's the Paul kind that this used to really be important, and now it's like garbage to me because knowing him matters way more than that. It's the kind that if we deny it, we realize, like the rich young ruler, what a significant moment in our own personal life this is. It didn't say that he went away indifferent. It says that he went away sad because he knew that he was making a decision that was going to impact the way that he walked with the Lord as long as this mattered more than him. It's a count the cost kind. That's what we're called to. It's why we're called to suffer whenever we do what he's called us to do. And to change our mindset, the apostles began to view it as it was a privilege to suffer, to be rejected, to be criticized, to be misunderstood if it was being done for Jesus. Because knowing him was more important than their approval or even their understanding of the price that they paid. He mattered more. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but he wants to enter as Lord. Where I change kingdoms. I change kings. I don't get to pick what I'm going to do. I, he tells me. And he doesn't always explain to me why this is best. He calls me to trust him. And so that's what we do. It's no small thing.
It's no small calling. Let's do this for just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute. Just spend a moment with God and just let him just do in your life and our life whatever it is that he wants to do. You know, there may be things that he's dealt with you before, and maybe in the past your response has kind of been like the rich young rulers where, where you went away from that place. It's not like you said it with your words, but in your behavior you said no. If you go into his presence in a vulnerable way, open up your heart. Don't be surprised if he begins to speak to you about that thing again. Maybe there's something in your life that you viewed as a part of your identity. You've held on to it and you've defended and you've fought for it. And yet constantly in his word and in his presence, he deals with you and he confronts you about this. And if you're going to be honest about it, the only way that you can continue to deny what he's asking you to do is to be in disobedience. Again, he doesn't do this to condemn us to shame us, to make us feel like he doesn't want us. He calls us to this to convict us so that we can repent and change the direction we're going in life and discover and recognize who we were truly created to be as we follow him. And he's willing to help us do this. Let the life that we receive from him Give us the ability. Philippians also says this, that it's him that works within us, causing us to want to and giving us the ability to do it. But it begins with a declaration and an acknowledgement of, I'm willing to surrender my life to you. For I'm no longer king, I'm no longer Lord, but Jesus is. In his kingdom. So let's just spend a moment with God, just let him deal with you and, you should have that secret place conversation with him.